It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of the Steelers postgame show. I'm Jeff Hardman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, here to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers' third straight win, their first home division win, as they beat the Cleveland Browns 33-18. to There's a lot to talk about, a lot to digest, some good, some bad, some ugly. And joining me as always is my co-host, Lance Williams. Lance, how are you doing? What are your knee-jerk reactions to the game today? Before the Steelers gave up the last touchdown to end the game, and I still may be ready to say this. Let me just put it out there. This is the best game that they've played this year. Although they started out slowly, in my opinion, on offense and probably to the opinion of most people in Steeler Nation, I thought this was their most complete game on both sides of the ball. Really good defensive effort, really good effort overall after the first quarter. And and a solid win, solid divisional win. So we had asked a question a couple of weeks ago, uh, when was I ready to jump on board when it came with this football team? Not that I'm never on board with the team, but it was if they win the three division games and they're on pace and on track to do that. Absolutely. Now, before we get started with the show, and uh, obviously if you're watching live on YouTube, you can join in to the live chat and, and definitely ask some questions towards the end of the show. We'll get to as many as we can. I do want to take a minute, though, and send out, I, I think, condolences, prayers, thoughts, however you want to word it, um, to all those victims of the sen- senseless violence in Pittsburgh. And you could definitely see, um, not only from those that were there um, watching the game live at Heinz Field, you could see the uh, messages on Twitter by the, the team. Um, a sad day. And Lance, I know this hits close home to you growing up in Pittsburgh. If you want to take a few minutes, you can. 
I want to echo Jeff's sentiments. And it's uh, unique for me in, in, in the sense that I went to Carnegie Mellon. I'm very familiar with the area. In fact, I graduated in that synagogue. So it hits kind of home on that front. And it's just senseless. I mean, you know, mass shootings are, are terrible. I don't want to make any political comments in terms of gun control. But the one thing I think we can all agree on is that mass shootings are just bad, really bad. And, you know, it's just unfortunate that you can't even feel safe in a place of worship. We can do better than this, and hopefully we will. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it kind of makes me think for, for maybe just a small bit of time, the Steelers, and I've always thought that sports can do this, were a great di- dis- distraction for those that might be suffering and might be you know, wondering what's going to happen in their city. And maybe just for a few hours, they were able to kind of take their mind off of that and focus on some football. It sounds silly, but it does happen. So let's get talking about football. Let me read some of the statistics for you off the game book. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers win 33 to 18. They were shut out in the first quarter. It was ugly. Those that watch know this. And then they rattled off 14 in the second, followed by nine in the third and 10 in the final frame. Here we go. Ben Roethlisberger finished 24 of 36 for 257 yards, two touchdowns, one intercept. One interception was only sacked once, although he was under duress a lot in the first half. Rating was 94.3. The man of the hour, though, James Conner, finished with 24 carries, 146 yards, averaging six Point one, a carry for two touchdowns and a long of 30 yards. Let's go over. Hey, Jalen Samuels, second leading rusher. That's something of note for me. Four carries, 17 yards. Uh, let's go to the receiving. Antonio Brown, he had six catches for 74, two touchdowns with a long of 43, was targeted eight times. James Conner was second on that list. Five catches, 66 yards, no touchdowns, along a 14, was targeted six times. And here's what's crazy. Just listen to these receptions to target. So Brown, six of eight. Uh, Connor, five of six. Vance McDonald, three of three. Juju, four of six. Justin Hunter, two of four. Very efficient day for the Steelers receiving group. Lance, before we go into the defense, let's talk some grades. Ben Roethlisberger on a scale from one to four. We've done this the last few weeks, four being an A plus one being an F. What do you grade big Ben's performance today? I'm going to give him a three. I think it was a solid game. A little rusty coming off the bye, some high throws, turning over the football. I think it's a solid three. Yeah, I agree with the three. I think that's fair because although the interception was forced, it wasn't really his fault, but um, they didn't ask him to do a lot. And I'm, I'm not sure if I said this on our show or if I said it on the Steelers preview with Brian Davis. The Steelers should want Ben Roethlisberger to have a very mundane stat line. You know, nothing crazy. Threw for 257. They did throw it 36 times, uh, but they had a great, tremendous performance from James Conner. Let's go to him. How do you grade James Conner's performance? James Conner gets a four or, or, or an A for sure. And I'm not going to call him James Conner anymore. I'm going to call him John Conner. <laughs> he is the Terminator. He is terminating Le'Veon Bell's worth and value because he is having tremendous games after tremendous games. And this is over 200 yards, you know, 200 yards from, from scrimmage. Again, he's having a fantastic season. He's scoring touchdowns. I mean, James Conner is the guy. He is the Terminator. He is the Terminator of Le'Veon Bell's value. And the Steelers have no concern whenever the gravy guy gets in. Yeah, it's a four. If there's a plus, if it's four, two, five, whatever it is, 
That's what he gets. He had a tremendous game. He outgained the entire Browns offense. The last time we saw that, I believe, was Le'Veon Bell doing that in Buffalo in the snow game where he went off. Um, I watched James Conner play, and, you know, at the beginning of the season, it was always that, well, you know, I haven't had a sample size, yada, yada, yada. He looks like an NFL starting running back, but not only that, he looks like a NFL star running back, and there's a big difference there. Uh, let's go to the receiving core, Antonio Brown. Like I said, 6 of 8 in terms of receptions to targets, 74 yards, 2 touchdowns. How do you grade his performance? It's an A. I mean, 6 of 8 on targets, 2 touchdowns. It's a very efficient game for A.B. The one thing I would say about James Conner, he has to improve his ball security. He's got to stop putting the ball on the ground. And if he cleans that up, then he is a starting level. I mean, he's already a starting level running back in the National Football League. He stops putting the ball on the ground, and he's a star in the National Football League, like you suggest. Yeah, I agree, Antonio Brown, though. Definite a, an A performance. Uh, the Steelers did not rely on him, but that doesn't take away from him taking advantage of his opportunities. Thought they could have connected on that other deep pass. For some reason, Brown's adjustment kind of slowed him down a little bit, and he couldn't haul in the deep pass. I think that was in the, the third quarter, but still a very, very good game. Uh, let's go on now to the defensive side of the ball. T.J. Watt led the team in tackles with seven. Six of them were solo. He had one sack, two tackles for loss, and a quarterback hit. Stephon Tua ties with seven tackles, three solo. He also had a sack, and he had two quarterback hits. And I think the other players of note, Let's go to team total statistics here. Sacks. They only ended up getting Baker Mayfield twice, but I don't think that is really conducive to how the Steelers' pass rush lived in the backfield. Seven quarterback hits might be more indicative of that performance. Uh, you look at pass defenses. They had four tackles for loss, seven. Uh, they did have an interception. Joe Hayden with his first of the season. Uh, let's go ahead and just see... I guess let's grade the defense overall, and then we'll talk about some players individually that we thought played well, maybe didn't play so well. How would you grade the defense, Lance? I was ready to give them an A. I was very disappointed by the last drive. I think we just got to play cleaner and finish the ball game. So I would give them a B plus. I think the man of the hour too sweet to be sour was Bud Dupree. I mean, I guess I can call him by his name, Bud, not Dud today. I think Bud played a great game. You know, great pass rush, great pressure, consistent pressure, great play on the safety, albeit it was marred by the uh, very oh. boneheaded special teams play uh, of not knowing the situation. And, and and we could talk about that later, Jeff, in, in terms of do you think that was on the players or do you think that was on the coaching? We'll, we'll talk about that. But I think the defense played admirably, and I think they played much better football moving forward since the last three games since the Atlanta game. Great on the back end. Hilton and Joe Hayton are playing fantastic. I would have just liked them to have finished off their work by not giving Cleveland a touchdown late. Right, yeah. The only thing I would say, because I agree with you, I would say a 3.75 for the, for the Steelers' defense today. Um, outside of the first quarter, which was a little rough, um, and outside of the phenomenal field position that the Browns received after the gap on the free kick, like you said, we'll talk about that in a second, I thought they played well. I thought they were physical. This is the first time in the run defense that I, I, I can't even remember the last time when Chubb would get the ball. There were times where he was literally being moved backwards. I thought Stefan Tewitt played great today. He's a guy that's kind of an MIA at times throughout the season. Dupree played well, and I said this on our preview show last week. 
you knew that the the Browns were not going to let TJ Watt destroy them like he had throughout his entire NFL career. And that meant Bud Dupree was going to be one-on-one. You have to win those matchups. And he did. It wasn't always pretty, but he did. Kudos to Joe Hayden. That was a very nice interception. That led to a touchdown at the end of the first half. Um, definitely turned the tide for the team. I personally have was seeing too much Anthony Chiquillo for my liking. I understand that he's that guy who's going to come in and spell Dupree and Watt. You're coming off a bye week. You shouldn't be that gassed. I felt that, that he was out there too much. Watt and Dupree are both more athletic than Chiccolo. But other than that, I thought Mike Hilton played well. Terrell Edmonds was very... If I'm grading Terrell Edmonds, I'm giving him a... Shoot, I'm gonna be, I'll, I'll be tough on him. I'm giving him a 1.75. Was not impressed. Didn't look good in coverage. Took some really bad angles. Do you agree with that assessment, Lance? Yeah, I think it was tough on the Rook today. I don't think that was his best performance. But I'd like to amend my grade. I'd like to push my grade up to a three and a half, specifically because of how the defense played in the first quarter to keep the Steelers in that ball game. And in the game, three of 13, stopping the Browns on third down for 23%. And let me take a look at the other critical number, the red zone. One of two, 50%. Those numbers you can win with. And I thought it was critical for the defense to keep the Steelers in the game as the offense was slowing and warming to it and to the task. That's why, de- that's why offense and defense and special teams, it's so complimentary. And that's why football is the ultimate complimentary game. The defense played well enough to keep them in it until the offense got simmering and cooking. Well, yeah, considering the fact that the Steelers offense went an entire quarter without even gaining a first down. It wasn't even just, you know, oh, well, whatever. Not even a first down in the first quarter, which is embarrassing enough. Um, Okay, let's talk about the play. Um, you have to have it, uh, you have to bring context to this play for those that might not have seen the game live, but might have been following it online uh, or reading about it on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Bud Dupree essentially leads to a sack by getting held in the, in the end zone. That's a safety, and then a free kick follows. Now, for those that don't know, a free kick is treated essentially as a kickoff, meaning if the ball travels 10 yards, it can be recovered by the kicking team. Huh, uh, the kick is kicked. It looks like Ryan Switzer is going to come up to catch the ball for some reason. Roosevelt Nix backs up and calls for a fair catch. The ball hits the ground as Switzer sees this. He backs up. The ball bounces. Switzer, instead of going and getting the football, lets the Browns take it. The Browns jump on it. It's their football. They end up scoring a touchdown off of that. You asked me, Lance, if I thought this was more on the players or the coaching. That's both, in my opinion. It's, it's both, and I know that might be a cop-out answer, but it's both because you, Danny Smith had a, ch- had a minute to get with his players before that kick, and he didn't say, look, just remember, this is like a kickoff. You can't let them try to down the ball. That's on coaching. But to the players, you're professionals. You have to know better than that. Ryan Switzer, you are supposed to be a return specialist. You also play receiver. I understand that, but you're supposed to be a return specialist. This cannot happen. Lance, what were your thoughts? I'm going to agree with you and slightly disagree, Jeff. I I agree that it was just bad. I mean, we definitely agree that it was bad. It was a bad play, but I'm going to put it all on the players just because I I don't know if Danny Smith. No, no, let me just agree with you. I I, I agree because I was going to say, I don't know because I don't know if Danny Smith said something to the players. And if he didn't say anything to the players to remind them of the situation, which is I'm sure what you've done as a coach, 
when you remind them of something very specific that does not happen all the time, you remind them so it's fresh in their heads in the moment. So if he did not do that, it was bad coaching. If he did, it's just squarely on the player. So not knowing if he did that or not, it's on both. Players have to know. I'm sure at some point in time, the coaching staff has told the players. I mean, those guys were probably sitting in meetings, eating Chick-fil-A, dozing off or doing something like that. And they got and the guys remember or did not remember. But either way, it was just a bad situation. And I agree with you. I can put that on coaching and I can put that on the players. But that's the type of mistake that against a very good team that gets you beat. That was a weird momentum shift in the game. But kudos to the offense for coming right back on the next series and getting a touchdown and choking off any momentum that Cleveland had. This offense has done that more than once this year. And that's something we they, they weren't doing early on. And we said that this this team, and this was before the season even started, we said if this, if this defense can keep teams right around the 20-point mark, it's on the offense to go out there and do what they should do. Now, when we said that, we assumed that Le'Veon Bell would be a part of the equation. He's not. James Conner burst onto the scene. We all know how that played out. But ultimately, I feel like the offense has done a tremendous job, at least in the last three weeks, of responding. The defense has a mistake. The special teams is, is play is killing them. Whatever the case may be, they respond well. I think that's a sign of a really good team. Um, I am anxious to hear what Mike Tomlin has to say about the free kick. I'm not sure if he addressed it in his post-game comments. He's probably talking as we're talking. So I'll have to check that out after the show. I'm sure that if, if he doesn't answer it, he'll be asked on Tuesday at his weekly press conference. Uh, but yeah, it, it was bad. But I also, like you said, the great job by the uh, by the offense following up with a nice drive. How about that 10-play, all-rushing play drive that results in a touchdown? It almost looked like the Browns did not want to tackle anymore. I think you saw a bunch of white flags going up on the defensive side of the ball on the Browns. They wanted no part of James Conner. Is, is that not the ultimate deflator? Is that not the ultimate jab, stab, final night, nail in the coffin, whatever you want to call it? When you have that done to your defense, that's bad. That's, that is horrible. I mean, if you've ever played sports, you always want to win. I mean, for sure. I mean, I know this is the participation generation. You definitely want to win. But the thing that makes winning even more sweet is when you see your opponent tap out. They did the Conor McGregor, and they tapped out. And the Steelers were Khabib and were choking Conor out, and they <laughs> choked out the Cleveland Browns. And I was glad that they did it because the drive previous to that was really bad. And they absolutely pounded Cleveland and choked Cleveland out and made them tap. That was a rear naked. Or I don't know if it was an ankle lock. I don't know if you guys are MMA fans, but whatever submission hold you like, I personally like the figure four. Woo! Woo! They put them in the figure four, choked them out, Cobra clutch, whatever they put to them. Powell Driver, uh, you know, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Lariat, the Bionic Elbow, whatever you want to call it, that's what they did to Cleveland on that drive. And it's beautiful to do it to the Browns and do that to a divisional opponent. I've always preferred the cross-face chicken wing myself. Um, Ooh. I <laughs> there you go, Ooh. yeah. Yeah, you haven't heard what, that what, in a was while. That, was that Bob Backlund's? A couple move. guys did the a couple guys did the crossface chicken wing, and I, I, it was I, I, actually was... the 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 Iron Sheik did a version of the crossface chicken wing. I'm trying. If we have any wrestling fans out there, what was Bob Backlund's? 
I think Bob Backlund's signature submission move was the chicken wing. What about Bruno San Martino? But they definitely put the San Martino on the Browns. Big up to Bruno San Martino, famous wrestler from Pittsburgh. I don't know if Bruno is still alive, but Bruno was one of my favorite. He was suplexed guys on their head, and the Browns got suplexed on that drive, and they're licking their wounds all the way back up to uh, to, to Cleveland. And I wouldn't be surprised we see a coaching change in Cleveland this week. Yes, and so since we're talking Browns and Steelers, we're talking AFC North football. Let's recap on the other teams in the division. Clearly, the Pittsburgh Steelers win. They advance to 4-2-1. and one. They have rebounded, and they go to the month of October undefeated. So in terms of getting the September stench off them, they did just that by winning all three of their games in October. And now the page gets flipped to November starting next week when they go to Baltimore. But speaking of Baltimore, they lost to Carolina today, which moves their record to four. And I'm sorry, what is their record? Four and four now? I believe so. Four and four. Now the Cleveland or Cincinnati Bengals did blow a 34 point lead. I think at one point it was 34. They, the Buccaneers bench Jameis Winston. They bring in Fitz magic. He does Fitz magic things. They go back, send it to overtime, but the Bengals do win in overtime 37 to 34. So the standings heading into week nine, the Steelers still earn first place four, two and one. The Cincinnati Bengals are in second at five and three. The Cleveland Browns are, or is it the Baltimore Ravens are four and four. And then the Cleveland Browns at two, five and one. Remove, go back to their place in the cellar, the where they belong. So, before I ask Lance what he thinks about the rest of the division, this is the time where if you're watching live on YouTube, go ahead and fire off your questions in the comment section. We will do them rapid fire at the end of the show. Lance, what are your thoughts on the play around the AFC North? I think it's turning out that the AFC North is an average division. Uh, none of the teams, in my opinion, including the Steelers, are... Um, Elite teams, I think the Steelers are the closest to being an elite team. I think the Ravens have an elite defense, but I think it's – I mean, they're a three-legged table. They have no foundation on offense. So, you know, it's give or take what you get on their offense. And Joe Flacco is terrible on the road. The Browns are bad. I think they're becoming the Browns again. Cincinnati is an emotional football team that makes mistakes, who the Steelers are in their head. I think – the game next week against the Baltimore Ravens is a very critical one, one in which the Steelers can put a stranglehold on the division. So I just think it's an average division. I think the AFC West is a better division with the Chargers and the Chiefs. And, and I think the Steelers can just put their stamp on this next week with a victory on the road in Baltimore. It's not going to be easy. Not going to be easy at all. The Ravens were embarrassed today by Carolina. Uh, that defense was shredded by Cam Newton and um and company and so it's going to be interesting to see how these two teams kind of combat their particular wins and losses heading into week nine we're going to talk more about that a lot this week uh so we're not going to get too much into looking ahead so let's get to some of our questions we're going to do these rapid fire lance are you ready i am absolutely ready to go all right jeremy asks, what do you think about our secondary as of now it should be noted cody sensible played the entire game Artie burns was benched Sensible left with a foot injury, and Cameron Sutton came in over Artie Burns to finish the game. Just wanted to preface that. What are your thoughts on the secondary? I think the sense, excuse me, the secondary is still a work in progress. I don't know how much you can take from the Browns game, but anytime the secondary plays well, I think it's a plus. I think the one thing you come out with 
looking at the Steelers secondary is that they have two very good pieces in Hayden and Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton, in my opinion, might be the best slot corner in the National Football League, and Joe Hayden is playing outstanding football. So if they can get balanced play from other members of their secondary, it's a good thing. I think another thing to look at with the secondary is Morgan Burnett seemed to come out of the, in- the game with no injuries, which is a good thing. And, uh, yeah, so Morgan Burnett's going to help out in the future. I'm sure his role will expand as he proves he's healthy. Joe Hayden looks healthy. I don't really think he was healthy last time they played the Ravens. That was when Sean Brown went off. It will be interesting matchups next week. Next question by Reed. What are your thoughts on Justin Hunter getting a helmet over James Washington? Washington, I got to say I was shocked coming off the bye week. You're thinking the rookie's going to get a chance to excel. Instead, he is a healthy and active or a healthy scratch, as they say in hockey. What are your thoughts on that move? Speaking of scratch, that's a head scratcher. Justin Hunter has no future as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Played a rookie. I, I don't get it. Uh, it I, I don't know what his preparation looked like during the week. You know, that's something that we don't have any access to. But there's no future in Justin Hunter as a third wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I would think that you give the rook some snaps. So it's a little bit of cause of concern there. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I agree. It's really tough to uh, to know. Like you said, we're not at practice, but it, it's just crazy how a guy gets a helmet all this time, and then it seemed like what they wanted to do is stretch the field with Justin Hunter, but that's what James Washington does best. So we'll see. Maybe this, maybe they just wanted to give Hunter a chance, see if he can kind of claim it. I'm not, I can't say that he did necessarily, so we'll see. Um, okay, now the next one is what are the penalty totals? We did not talk about penalties, although we should have. Uh, combined in the game, there were 15 total penalties accepted. The Steelers had eight for 60 yards. The Brown had seven for 52. Lance, did you think the penalties were a little ridiculous? I thought there were several that were. Or did you think it was pretty straight up? Hell, it felt like everybody was coming off a bye week. The officials, the Steelers, special teams, everybody. Because the officials looked out of sync as well. I thought some of the early stuff was ridiculous. But I think the Steelers overall played a fairly clean game after the second quarter. I agree with that. Um, here's a question from Nicholas. Should Morgan Burnett, if healthy, start to take some time away from Terrell Edmonds? No. I think you continue to let Terrell Edmonds play. I don't think his play has been as bad, to, so bad that where you take him off the field. I think you continue to let him play and let him grow into the role because you, you do have – you know, you, you have a safety plan. You don't have a backup plan with Morgan Burnett. So I, I think you continue to let the Rook continue to play. I think you let Burnett continue to get healthy and rounded to shape. And the more the rookie gets more acclimated, you have two solid players that you can go particularly play dollar defense with seven DB. So continue to let Edmonds play. Okay. Um, can't say I necessarily agree. We'll see. Uh, how do you fix the Steelers' first quarter struggles? This is from Nathan. That's a difficult one. I, I think what could fix it offensively is if they run the ball better coming out of the tunnel. I think if they can establish their run against teams immediately, I think that will clean up a lot of things. That'll clean up uh, time of possession. And as well, I think it can get them in a the rhythm if they don't have to come out and make plays immediately in the passing game. So I think run the football better to start the game. I think that helps clean up both sides of the ball and you get off to better starts. Run the ball, I agree with. Don't throw the football laterally two out of three times in your first possession. These stupid wide receiver screens can work 
when they're set up. I don't like starting the game off with them. I think that's bad scripting. Uh, hopefully, Randy Feedner and Ben Roethlisberger learn from this, and it improves down the stretch. Okay. Um, Nicholas asked, do you like the rotation at the cornerback position today? I'm not sure there was a rotation. I think it was Cody Sensabaugh, and then Cameron Sutton came in, like I mentioned, but Artie Burns didn't play. Uh, and then another question by Isaac is, do you think this is kind of a wake-up call for Artie Burns? And do you think they'll give him a shot next next week to kind of prove it? Or do you think this is just where he's going to be for the rest of the year, and barring, barring an injury? Well, shit, it better be a wake-up call if you're the third guy up. I mean, if it's not a wake-up call, then you're not supposed to be on the roster. And I don't, I'm agree with you, Jeff. I don't think it's a rotation. I think since the ball is a starter, particularly if Cam Sutton came in after him, I think Burns is out of the rotation, and I don't see him getting it back anytime soon unless he has tremendous weeks of preparation. I think right now, unfortunately, it's Cody Sensabaugh's position to lose, which to me is just really problematic. Cody Sensabaugh is not a solid player. Again, I've said it numerous times at nauseum on this podcast that Artie Burns is the key to this defense taking the next step. If he can play like a first-rounder, and that might not be in the cards for him as a Steeler. If he can, for somehow, I think this defense takes the next level. Cody Sensabaugh is not the guy. He is a stopgap player that you don't want playing a tremendous amount of snaps. Yeah, no, I, I agree. If Cody Sensabaugh is your starter, you have issues, period. Simple. Okay, so the next question is from Snowman. I'm going to kind of rephrase this for him. His question was, what are your thoughts on James Conner so far this year? Lance, I want you to think of an adjective to describe James Conner throughout 2018. Think of a descriptive word to describe James Conner. Well, I'm not going to use an adjective. I'm just going to use a noun. He's the Terminator. (laughs) He's the the Terminator. He is terminating Le'Veon Bell's value. He is terminating it. He is the Terminator. Look, running backs have a short life in the National Football League. 30 is the Mendoza line. Le'Veon is getting older. Yes, he's not taking hits, but he's getting older. And what it's just showing with James Conner's production is maybe it was the offensive line. Maybe that. And it's also showing that you can get good production out of running backs if you have a good offensive line and these guys don't have to be first-round draft picks again. Why do you have to – you don't have to have a Todd Gurley to get production. You can have a James Conner. He is the Terminator. He is terminating Le'Veon Bell's bank account every time he goes out and plays good football. Okay. This is a really good question here. It's kind of strange, but it's I think it's appropriate. The question is from Claude. He says, how do you think Le'Veon Bell really feels about James Conner? He's pissed. <laughs> He's pissed. He's absolutely pissed. Like, it's one of those weird things. You like to see your friend do well, but you know if he keeps shining, you know, it's going to cut into your shine. I mean, unless they're really tight, he's tight about it. He's got to be pissed. As a competitor, he wants he, he wants what he does to help the team the most, right? I mean, th- that's the selfish aspect of being a part of a team. You want a team to miss you when you're not there. You want them to win, but you want them to win with you making the contributions. I mean, that's just how it is. I'm sure he's 
happy with what James is doing. Excuse me, the Terminator is doing, aka no longer James. He's only John, but he's tight. He's absolutely tight. He's pissed off. Because imagine this, listeners, you're sitting home on the couch. Granted, he's got some, uh, you know, some grits and gravy, and he's not eating healthy and sweating gravy on a jet ski. And you're just watching your bank account get smaller because you gave up about 850k, and you're watching your replacement go for 200 yards plus on the line of, you know, from scrimmage, and he's also eating into your money. So you're losing more than 850 grand every week. He's tight. He's pissed off. He's writing raps in the studio. He's about to dish James Conner in a diss track. It's about to be a diss track. Look for it on datpip.com. It's coming out pretty soon. Le'Veon Bell dissing James Conner. Yeah, it's it's one of those situations where I feel like between Le'Veon Bell and his agent, nothing has gone right. Nothing has gone the way that they planned. I'm sure that his agent said, you know what? Let him play James Conner. They're going to struggle. And they're gonna get. They're gonna want you back. Maybe they'll give you more money just to get you back on the field. And Le'Veon's like, "All right, all right, all right. Let, let's do that. Let's do that." You know, all these other guys are signing deals. Gurley signing his deal. Everyone's getting money. I'm gonna get my money. So they wait. James Conner goes off in week one. Then they hit a lull. Okay, things are good. We're we're fine. Well, now, shoot. And contrary to a report that I said I I misread it last week. The reason, one of the reasons why Bells reportedly has not shown up is because the Steelers said, if, when they use their two-week roster exemption, we're not paying for you. We're not paying you eight hundred fifty-five thousand dollars as we get our two-week roster exemption to get down to fifty-three, and so that's why he's not showing up, and that's why a lot of people think he won't show up. So it's going to be really interesting to see um, what happens. Uh, I think a lot of questions here are now that this game's over with. Now that we kind of see where the Steelers are coming off the bye. Do you think they still make a trade and at the deadline? And if so, would you over over buy? I guess that's not that's not the right word. Would you pay a high price for a cornerback? Now we know Patrick Peterson's off the market, but would you just go with what you have and hope that the pass rush covers up the secondary? Or are you just going to say, "Hey, we need to find something for the outside"? I don't. I don't, I don't think they're going to do a trade. I would. I, I would try to figure out. I try to find a corner to just have another good corner in the mix. Sensibah is not going to hold up. Uh, the other thing I would look for, like you said, and we said in the previous shows, an outside linebacker. Uh, but it has to be a late-round pick. I mean, I, I, at this point, I don't know if I'm giving up more than a fifth for anybody. I just don't think there's anybody probably on the market that warrants anything more than that. I mean, I'm not super-versed on the waiver wire or just what guys want to get out. But you know they're not going to make a trade. They're going to stand pat. Uh, I think they like how the defense is playing right now and I think they have a formula for how they want to do it and how particularly how they're playing offense and how that supports their defense so I don't think they're going to make a trade uh you know anytime soon I agree I don't think they're making a trade at all I think they're just going to stand pat uh and go with what they have and that's just the way that the Steelers do business people were talking about you know Janoris Jenkins and we talked about that last week I just don't think that's going to happen so there you have it, folks. The Steelers win 33-18. to 18. That 18 isn't even really still accurate, I guess you could say, considering they had a garbage-time touchdown. But next week is a huge game coming up against the Baltimore Ravens. Lance, any last thoughts before we kind of call it a show? 
No, we were going to go into our true or false from last week, but we'll save that. But listeners, I think on the next wrap-up show, we're going to do a better job of keeping track of the true and false and just see who's doing better when it comes to the true and falses. We should have some sort of contest, Jeff. Uh, you know, like if I win, listeners, a particular listener who picks me to win the true and false gets something. If you win, a particular listener gets something. We should do a contest on the true and falses. Well, if they're smart, they'll always pick me. And I like that as Isaac brings this up, and I didn't say anything, but he brought it up in the live chat. He said, why, why in the world would we trust you when you're not even wearing the mask? Then where's the mask? He keeps on asking the mask. <laughs> question mark, question mark, exclamation point. Where's the mask? It's great. I, just... I, I am sorry. I, I will come back with the mask due to uh, some scheduling stuff that I have after this. I, I, we just need to do it pretty fast. I, I'm making an excuse, but I, I, I am going to come back with the mask and sack for Wednesday's show to make up for the lack of the mask. I will put the mask on for Wednesday's show. <laughs> There you go, folks. So the Steelers win. It's a big win. Make sure you check it. I say it every single show in case there's someone that's a first-time listener. If you're listening on podcasts, you didn't know we have YouTube, go to YouTube, search BTSC Steelers Radio, subscribe, like our videos. We appreciate that. Also, if you're on YouTube you didn't know we have other podcasts that aren't on the channel, go to iTunes, Google Play, Stitch, Art19, uh, Spotify, type in Behind the Steel Curtain or Steelers, you'll find us. Subscribe so you get all that content. Listen regularly. Make sure you check out the Steelers Hangover tomorrow night. That's Monday. And then Lance and I will be back on Wednesday for another episode of The Standard is the Standard, where we'll hopefully turn the page for you in the middle of the week as we kind of leave the Browns and start looking ahead to the Ravens. So everyone, Steelers win. Be happy. Another three in a row. Let's see if they'll make it four against the Ravens. We'll see you on the next one. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. <laughs> We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.